Our gospel reading for this morning, which is our sermon reading, is taken from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. Please stand as we honor Christ's words and works while he was here on earth. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we, be, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Just a few months ago, six months ago, I think now, I was dealing with doubt in a way that I had never dealt with doubt before. And maybe many of you have dealt with the same type of doubt going through the home buying process as a first-time home buyer. You go, you find the house that you like, and you put the offer in, and your first thought to yourself is, no chance, Right? But then even if it's accepted, you go, you know what, I'm still sure something will fall through. And so you go to the inspection and you think, you know what, I'm still not sure I trust that this is going to go the way I want it to go. And, and maybe you go through the inspection and everything's still okay. But then the doubts just move on to the next thing. You think the paperwork that you're filing with the bank, the taxes, all of that fun stuff that's involved with buying a house, you think there's got to be a snag somewhere in there. And then that goes okay. And then you look forward to the next thing, and, and doubt creeps into the next thing. You go, well, yes, we'll have the, the closing date scheduled, but even at that point, I really can't imagine a circumstance in which my wonderful realtor takes the keys and finally actually puts them into my hand and says, the house is mine. But for me, that's exactly how it worked. Even though I had doubted the entire time that it was going to happen, at every single stage I sat there and I wrung my hands, finally, at the end of it all, my wonderful realtor looked at me, put the keys in my hands, and said, the house is yours. It's those doubts the whole way through. And I sort of wondered if those were the same types of doubts but the same doubting feelings that John had at this time. If we look at our, our reading for this morning, we see that John the Baptist is where? He's in prison now. 
Last week he was out in the wilderness and it seemed like ministry was going well. He was, he was preaching a message of repentance and now we find him and he is sitting in a prison cell. Why? For doing his God-given job. Yes, imagine that. John the Baptist, the one who was called to speak boldly about Christ and the repentance and the kingdom of heaven coming near, is now in prison because of it. Because he had the gall to tell everybody from the lowest to the highest repentance ought to be theirs. It included Herod the Tetrarch who had taken his brother's wife to be his own. And John you need to repent. And off to prison he went. Yes, John was thrown in prison for doing his job. You could imagine maybe either he or his disciples started to have a couple doubts about this time. As they looked at his circumstances and they go, something must be amiss. John had been in the wilderness preaching about this coming savior, this coming judge, this king of the world, this one who was bringing his kingdom with him. And now, by all accounts, that savior had come. And John's in prison. He's dealing with real life, real world issues. And he's in prison because of his devotion to his Savior. And you start to wonder if that was what was on the hearts of John and his followers. You know what? Maybe Jesus owes me a little proof. That's fine if Jesus wants to sit back and preach forgiveness and all of that stuff, but I'm the one sitting in prison. Maybe he owes me just a little proof that he is exactly who he says he is. Is that how we deal with doubts sometimes? We've all got him, right? As we talk today about doubts and how our Messiah cures those doubts, I'm sure there are, there are many, many things that, that rise to mind. Some from the smallest things to the greatest of things. From the time we are kids to the time that we are older, the doubts don't go away. In fact, I think in a lot of ways they increase. Kids that are, are dealing with doubts about their school, their friendships, their academics... Adults that maybe are starting a new job, they're starting out in the workforce, and they're starting to look around and they're going, you know what, I'm not sure I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm not sure I'm cut out for what I'm doing right now. Or maybe you go on a little bit further and, and you've had a family for 10 or 15 years and, and you're starting to look around and you go, I don't think I'm good at one part of this. I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good spouse. I'm not a good worker. What am I doing right and then we get even older. And we start to doubt the blessings that God has in store for us as we look at, at deteriorating health and, and maybe our mind doesn't work as well as we want it to. Maybe we see the end coming and, and we get a little frustrated with God. Because while we have all of these doubts about ourselves, so quickly they turn from doubts about ourselves to doubts about the way that God has blessed us. Those doubts that, that start out so small grow so quickly. 
But do you notice how Jesus deals with the doubt of John and his disciples? He doesn't excoriate him. He doesn't say, how could you have missed the point of what we were doing here, buddy? He doesn't get angry. His response is patient. His response, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. It's not like Jesus brings the hammer down on John. But at the same time, he also doesn't baby those doubts. He takes them head on and he says, John, here is the way to kill those doubts. Look at me. Look at the things that you know that I'm doing. Look back to Isaiah chapter 35, the words that we read for our first reading today. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Jesus is doing every single one of those things in front of all of the people at his time. And what he's telling John and what he's telling his disciples is don't overcomplicate it. When those sneaky little doubts come in and you think I'm not doing the right thing or God's not doing right to me. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try to work on the doubts by yourself. Instead, readjust your gaze and find all of the comfort you need in Jesus killing those doubts and in what he's doing. Do you ever sometimes wonder why Jesus did his miracles? There, there are really all sorts of reasons, but, but there are three main reasons that I kind of want to focus on First, it's to fulfill the prophecies like the one that we see in Isaiah, right? So that he could actually do those things, bring sight to the blind, give, give hearing to the deaf. But then there's another reason, and that's to attract the attention to himself. Not, not as someone who's able to perform all sorts of parlor tricks, but instead he wants to attract attention so that he can tell people, don't just watch what I do, hear what I have to say. And finally... There's one more beautiful reason that he does his miracles. And that is to, in a small, itty-bitty way in life, to reverse the consequences and the effects that sin has on people. Take a look at the way that he feeds the 5,000, and hunger is nothing short of a consequence of sin. It's because we live in an imperfect world, so what does Jesus do about that? He says, I'm going to give you, out of my hand, exactly what you need to sustain your body. Take a look at those that are, are deaf, those that are blind, that, those that can't walk. And they're looking around and they're going, the, the effects of sin in this world have made my life more difficult. And Jesus says, don't worry, I've got your back. In this small, itty-bitty way, I am going to reverse the course of sin and death in time and show you how much I love you. And even those he brings back from the dead, he says, uh-uh. Sin and death, that's got no power over you, and it certainly doesn't have any power over me. I am going to reverse the most shocking, jaw-dropping consequence of sin. I am going to reverse death. 
to tell each and every single one of you that it is not outside of my control. Those miracles become all the more beautiful when we know who's behind them. Not just some type of magician, not somebody that's really good at sleight of hand that can fool people, but a Messiah who comes to save. Brothers and sisters, we've all got doubts. And that's why Jesus continues the way that he does, because he knows that those doubts that the disciples of John have aren't going to go away. So he said, and that's, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? He's asking John and and his disciples, did you think John was going to be something other than what I called him to be? Some people might have gone out into the wilderness to see John the Baptist, some celebrity preacher that was really good at preaching fire and brimstone and, and that had the hot message of the day. But Jesus says, no, his purpose wasn't to please people. His purpose was to point you to the Messiah. He continues, if not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Were they hoping that they would go out and find John the Baptist teaching a a really cool way of of getting rich quick? Of how to to be a, a celebrity Christian? Of how to make life more easy and luxurious on us. And if that's what the people were looking for, he says, no, you're still looking for the wrong thing. Look for something that has deeper meaning. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Jesus finally gives the answer that maybe they weren't looking for, maybe they didn't expect but that they weren't just going out to a teacher that had some really nice message for the time. They went out to find John the Baptist, who had a message for eternity. Because you know all those those miracles that we talked about earlier, eventually they'd fade away. The 5,000 were going to be hungry again the next day. The people that were blind and deaf and and lame, well, they were going to lose a lot of their functioning bodies as they aged. And yes, even Lazarus, who Jesus brought back from the dead, whether it was a year later, five years later, 20 years later, Lazarus, too, was going to fall back into that grave. So Jesus says, no. Not a prophet. You came out into the wilderness to find someone who is going to point you to a Messiah who has lasting value. Who can speak to the doubts in your heart and can say, enough. I've taken care of you. That's what our Savior promises to do. Not just to to appease us for the time being, but instead to say that if you have something on your mind... If you're concerned about yourself, your own ability, your own well-being, if you're concerned that God is not doing right by you, that's okay. Bring them to me. And all of those doubts are forgiven. Think about that. Even those times in which we doubt God himself, God says, bring those sins against me to me. 
because I'm your Messiah. So yeah, peace. You're going to have doubts. But don't live in those doubts. Don't fall on your face under the doubts. Take those doubts head on the same way Jesus told John and his disciples to take those, those doubts head on and bring them directly to him. Ask your Savior what he's done for you in prayer. And then crack open a Bible and see just what a Messiah really is. That he's better than a king. He's better than a prophet. He's better than some preaching celebrity. He is truly God's son who dispels all doubt. Christ conquers death and Christ will conquer your doubt. Amen.